Our scripture reading today is from James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and then peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm going to do a little horticulture this morning as we go through James chapter 3. So we're in this third week of uh, the letter of James, which was uh, written to encourage disciples of Jesus to move towards what James calls maturity and completion. So he says that at the very beginning, the first few verses, that he's, he wants us to move towards maturity and completion. The way we say that here is Jesus-centered life. He wants to move us towards this Jesus-centered life. And in order for us to grow, we know that we have to course correct at times. We have to be shown a new way. Um, we have to be called out when we're going the wrong way. And James is happy to do all of that. <laughs> He's kind of a pretty tough coach that's trying to move us in this direction. And so uh, James wants us to have real faith in real life, very practical guidance. When you read through James, you're not trying to figure out what he's trying to say. You're just trying to figure out how you're going to change what he's telling you to change because it's pretty tough. So real faith in real life, which <clears throat> makes us ask this question, does my faith make a real difference in my life? Does my faith make a real difference in my life? That's a tough question. How do you answer that? How do you know if it is? And if your answer is no, well, I don't think it's really making a difference in my life Monday to Saturday, then you have a whole new set of questions to ask. And it's time to ask instead, like, well, what do I really believe? What is my faith based on if it's not making a real difference in my life? What do I actually believe. So if we're going to have faith that makes a real difference in our lives, then the challenge is this real faith follows Jesus against the current of culture, against the current of culture. This is why it's challenging. This is why it's difficult. And this is also how you know if your faith is making a real difference in your life. Are, is your life moving in a different direction than our culture, than people who don't follow Jesus? Are there things that about you and about the way that you live that people who don't follow Jesus just don't, don't do those things? So that's an important benchmark for us as we go through into chapter three today. James is going to talk about the power of our words, the things that we say, and how they impact the people around us. That's, that's James's primary concern. And so as we go through this, you, you may be thinking of times when Someone has said something to you that caused pain for you. You may be thinking of times when you have said something to someone else that caused 
pain for them. And so there's a lot of emotion tied up in our history and thinking about words that have been said to us or that we've said to others. And so the challenge for today is uh, not to dwell on the past. We need to learn from it, but not dwell on it. We're thinking about now and the future. Like, how are we going to use our words now? And so one of my favorite verses uh, dealing with this in Scripture is not from James. It's actually from Paul. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We're going to read this together. This is a great one if you're a parent or a grandparent to um, tattoo this on your children's forearm, actually, would be my uh, recommendation. But if you're not into that, then just uh, write it, you know, on a sticky note and put it somewhere. Ask them to memorize it. And then whenever they're saying things, if I mean, if your kids are like mine, but if you're, you may have perfect kids and they may never say anything wrong, but if they ever do, then you can just say Ephesians 4.29. It's like a shortcut. It's like a cheat code for getting them to this truth. This is really, really helpful. Uh, if it's underlined on the screen, that's your part. Please read that aloud. Here we go. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, so Paul basically gives this general principle. Our words should build up and not tear down. James is now gonna flesh out that idea through this entire chapter of uh, James chapter three. Pick up in James three, verse one. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So his first warning is against people who want to teach among the church, among the believers. This was an important role in James's time because there were still people living who had met Jesus and walked with Jesus while he was on earth. There were people who heard Jesus teach. Uh, there were people who were directly converted to Christ by the apostles. And these people sort of knew more. They had heard more and they became teachers passing along the teachings of Jesus. There was a really important role. And when you have really important roles in any organization, there are going to be people who kind of gravitate towards those important roles, right? There are going to be people who kind of always say, I, I like to be up front. I like to be the person who is talking all the time. I, I like to be the teacher. I like to be the, in the position of respect. And James just kind of gives a warning to those folks. He says, listen, this, this is not about you know, earning respect or getting this high position. This is a very serious job. And you're, you're going to be watched closely if you choose to be a teacher within the church. So it's not something that you do. You know, I'm in it for the money, but it's, it's not something that you do for... That's a, hopefully you all know that's a joke. <laughs> Be careful with your words. But it's not something you, you take lightly. It's not something you just jump into um, without a lot of thought. And it's something that requires a lot of preparation. We have a lot of great teachers here in our church family. And I know that they all take this responsibility very, very seriously. But James's warning is your, your words have power. And if you're, a, if you're a teacher, and you, you know this if you're a school teacher, right? Your words have power to either build up or tear down. And so we want to make sure that you're using those words to build up. And then he, I think it's kind of funny how he says, uh, we all stumble in many ways. He basically says, we're all sinners. But if you, if you never stumble in what you say, you're probably perfect. 
James is kind of saying, the hardest thing to do in life is to never stumble in what you say, to always use your words to build up and not tear down. If you can get that right, everything else should come easy, right? That's kind of what he's, he's uh, getting at there. So um, let's continue to see what else he has to say about words. He's gonna give us some word pictures here in a minute that I think are helpful. Here we go. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. and is itself set on fire by hell. Yikes. So the tongue is a world of evil, James says. He has strong feelings about this, like he does about most things. He's very concerned about how we use our words, and he wants us to know that our words sort of reveal something about us. The way he talks about horses and ships being turned by something small he says, you, you may think of your tongue or your words as something small when it comes to the scope of your life, but your, your words actually are a clue about the direction that you're going. You're either going in a direction that builds people up or you're going in a direction that tears people down. And that is revealed by the way that you speak to people. It reveals something about you. He's gonna um, flesh that out a little more in the next section, verse nine. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings have been, who have been made in God's likeness. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is talking to disciples of Jesus. He's talking to the church. And he says, you can't come in here on Sunday and praise God and pray to God and then walk out of here and cuss out your server because your food was late, right? Like you, those two things don't go together. And he uses this image that I think he picks up from the teaching of Jesus about how you can't, like a tree only produces one kind of fruit, right? It, it, it. That's how trees work. So this is my uh, apple tree. These are apples, by the way, not, I don't, you may think they look like Christmas ornaments, but they're not, they're apples. So this is an apple tree. And when you, you see an ap apple tree, you expect to see only apples. But what if you saw an apple tree that had a pumpkin on it? I mean, you would kind of go, this, something's not right here, right? This is not a normal apple tree. Actually, you would say, this is not natural at all. This can't be, I mean, I'm, I'm not a botanist, but I know enough to know pumpkins don't grow on apple trees. I don't think they grow on trees at all, do they? I mean, that'd be a pretty big tree. Some pumpkins are, yeah, okay. Pumpkins, okay. So pumpkins don't grow on trees at all. So it, it just doesn't, and this is the image James is trying to put into your mind, like, for, for you to say that you're a Jesus follower, for you to use your words, your mouth to praise God, and then also use your words to tear people down, James says, you're, that's, you're not who you think you are. Your words are revealing something about you that contradicts what you say you believe. That's pretty tough, isn't it? I think we all recognize that we have these moments in our lives when we, when we say things that 
hurt, that tear down, that offend, whether it's on purpose or on accident, we still, we still do this. And it's not just, I don't think James, if he were here today and recognized all the different media formats we have at our disposal would limit his instructions to the words that come out of our mouths. He would probably also include the words that come out of our thumbs. Out of the same thumbs come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be, right? So we have to pay more attention. There's a couple areas that I think we need to pay attention to as James is drawing us to the destruction that comes from our words. And uh, the first one, some of you are not gonna like, um, but it's uh, sarcasm. So if, if I told you you couldn't use sarcasm anymore, some of you would be like, well, I guess I'm not talking again ever because that's just how you communicate, right? Um, when I was uh, 16, that's, that was my language was sarcasm. But here, and I'm not saying all sarcasm is bad. Here's what I am saying, that sometimes we use sarcasm as sort of like this passive aggressive way to communicate envy, jealousy, bitterness, something that's actually a problem between us and another person. And we kind of mask that with sarcasm. Um, and so here's the clue. If you find yourself having to say, I was only joking a lot, we may have a problem. Because what you're doing when you have to say, I'm only joking is, you realize that what you said, they actually saw through it and they saw the hurtful thing that you thought you buried deep enough in there, but they saw it. And now you have to say, I was only joking. So they don't think that you really do think the things that you really think. You know see what I'm saying? I mean, did you follow that? Okay. So just be careful. Sarcasm is, when, when we lived in New England, sarcasm doesn't exist in New England. People just don't, they just say exactly what they mean all the time. And at first I thought, you people are so boring. But then I became to appreciate that I never had to try to read between the lines with what people were saying. They just told me. And so it was helpful. So I don't know if we all need to spend a few months in Connecticut maybe, but we do need to pay more attention to sarcasm. The other one is that sometimes we use our commitment to honesty as a way to hurt people, right? If you, if you find yourself saying at the end of a, of a little speech about a person, I'm just being honest. If you find yourself saying that, there's a chance that you're actually using truth to hurt someone to take someone down. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. This is a, this is a pumpkin on an apple tree. We can't, we can't do this. So should you always tell the truth? Yes. Are, is, is telling a hurtful truth or telling a lie the only options? Sometimes you can just keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> because we don't need to use truth to hurt people. I'm not... Some of you, are your, your parents, you're like, well, I have to tell my kids when they're doing something wrong. Well, of course. And sometimes when you tell your kids they're doing something wrong, it's hurtful. They don't, none of us like to be told that we're doing something wrong. So this, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a relationship for that, a context for that. I'm just saying, if we have to end a sentence with, I'm just being honest, maybe, maybe we're, we're using truth as a weapon instead of a way to build people up. We should be careful with that. So James wants us to be aware. A lot of destructive, destructive things can happen with our words, but there's, there's also good things that can come from it. So he's drawing, like I said, I think from the teachings of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter six, and you'll see the connections here. 
Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Ooh, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I don't like that. Not really. Have you ever uh, heard yourself say something? (laughs) Like you thought it was somebody else and you went, where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why did those words come out of my mouth? Jesus would say, I know where it came from. The heart speak, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We kind of go, well, that's not always true. Sometimes I say things I don't mean. Where does that come from? So Jesus is very clear that there, there's, there's only one kind of fruit that's going to come from this tree. And it's either going to be good fruit that build people, builds people up, or it's going to be bad fruit that tears people down. So just like we can use our words to tear down, we can use them to build up. And this is a practice, I think, that we just need to be intentional about. We need to engage in. We need to look for opportunities. I'm a part of a mentoring program at our uh, middle school here. Um, We're working with fifth graders right now. And one of the activities that we do with every group is um, we put stickers on the backs of everybody in the room. And then we uh, walk around and we write nice things about them on the stickers, right? So that's the goal. It's middle schoolers. It's not always perfect, okay? But they do pretty good. And so uh, the fun thing is, after you've, you've gone around and eight or 10 people have written on your back, you take your sticker off and you get to read the things that people in your class have said about you. And you can just see the kids sort of lighten up. They see that people have, have pointed out things about them that, are, uh, that they like and that are nice. And so I always try to write something that I, I think is just, maybe they've not, not heard before, is, is a little deeper than cool shoes, bro. You know, like, so, um, so uh, this one uh, girl's uh, sticker, I wrote, uh, you have a nice smile. And so after we, we took the stickers off, she's going all around the room trying to figure out who wrote that on her sticker. And she asked all the, all the kids, did you write, I have a nice, and the kids were like, no. And so uh, she finally gets to me and did you write this? And I said, yes. And she said, you think I have a nice smile? And I said, yes, I think it's lovely. It makes me smile. And we were best friends from that moment on. So um, me and Izzy, uh, we were great friends after that because I don't know that anyone had ever said that to her before, you know? And for an adult who she doesn't really know to notice something like that and call it out, those words were powerful to her. And, and here's the thing. It was easy for me to do. Like, this was not a difficult thing. I didn't, I didn't have to be uncomfortable. I didn't have to go out of my comfort zone to say something nice to this fifth grade girl. And it made a big difference in her life. This is not hard, but we just have to be intentional about it. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in our own stuff that we don't think about the opportunities we have to speak some life into the people around us. Do fifth graders need to hear someone say from time to time, you have a nice smile? Of course, Do adults need to hear someone say from time to time, like, I like the way you think. You know, I appreciate your contribution. I think you're a great parent. Like, do do we, I need to hear that. that. That lifts me up. It's not that hard. We can use our words intentionally to build people up. And this is what James is, is pushing us to. So he's gonna wrap up by connecting this to wisdom. Now, you know, we've, we've been talking about wisdom since 
January, the beginning of the year. And uh, this is our, our wisdom metaphor here that, that God's uh, wisdom is like an ocean, that, that we're, we're diving into the wisdom of God's ocean. The o- ocean of God's wisdom. I'll get it. So this is James's connection to wisdom here. Let's pick up in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So James is talking about wisdom that comes from heaven. Right before this, he talked about wisdom that does not come from heaven, and he called it earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So that, we don't want that kind of wisdom. This is the kind of wisdom that we want. And these eight little qualifiers that he puts on, I think, are very helpful and fascinating. So we're going to dive into this just a little bit. The first characteristic that he gives of wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. Pure means there's only one substance here. If you have pure gold, what else is in it? Nothing. It's just gold, right? So James says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure in the sense that there's, there's only one focus. There's only one target here. So in your words, the way that you speak to people, you can't have both the goal of pleasing yourself and pleasing God. You can't have both of those goals. That's not pure, right? That's a pumpkin on an apple tree, right? You can't have the goal of elevating yourself and elevating someone else. Those are are divided goals. It's not pure, it's a pumpkin on an apple tree. Some of you are going to be dreaming about pumpkins on apple trees. I hope that's what happens. But the purity uh, characteristic causes us to ask this question, what is the one priority? I get to have this conversation. I get to speak to this person every day. I get to go to this meeting. What is my one priority? That's where we fall back on Ephesians 4.29. I want to build people up with my words. I want to lift them up with the things that I say. The second characteristic is peace-loving. Peace-loving is about paying attention to relationships, and uh, it's, it's tempting to think of, of peace-loving or peacemaking as like avoiding conflict and stepping away, but does avoiding conflict create peace? No, it just ignores it. Peacemaking is stepping into conflict and using words to bring people together. And so we think about then, and when our wisdom, how will this affect my relationships? This text I'm about to send This email I'm about to fire off, this Facebook post, this TikTok video, how does this impact my relationships? That's an important question. It's going to draw us to the wisdom that comes from heaven if we want to be peace-loving. The third is considerate. Considerate is thinking about others. Who will this benefit? And if the answer is, well, the only person I can think of that this benefits is me, This is not wisdom that comes from heaven. This is a different kind of wisdom, which we've already agreed that's not what we're going for, right? So wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. Who will this benefit? Um, Fourth is submissive. Submissive is the idea that I don't have to be in charge. I can receive guidance. I can receive counsel. I can sit under someone else's authority or teaching. So Wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive in the sense that we ask this question, have I sought godly counsel? Have I asked other people what they think? Or have I avoided asking other people because I think they they would disagree with me and I don't want to hear it? (laughs) 
Silence. Wow. Okay, yeah. Nobody's done that, apparently. Um, good. Let's move on. Uh, the, the fifth and sixth ones, I put these together because I think they sort of uh, move to the same thing, is, but is full of mercy and good fruit. Wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and good fruit. This is asking the question, how will this help me serve others? How will this help me lift someone up? So this is the ability to see needs around me. Maybe, maybe it's to see that someone needs to hear some kind words today. You ever just looked at somebody and thought, oh, they, they need to pick me up. They, they need somebody to cheer them up. And maybe I could be that person and just tell them they have a nice smile, right? Fifth, uh, seventh, seventh is impartial. Um, James has already talked about favoritism. We saw that in chapter two. Is James for favoritism? No, he's against it. So impartial is asking the question, whose approval am I really seeking? Because a lot of times when we show preferential treatment to somebody, it's because we're, we're trying to get approval from somebody else, from somebody that we think is important or they have a lot of influence with us. So James says, wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial. Whose approval am I really seeking? There's one correct answer to this question. God's. I'm just seeking God's approval. And, and if I have that, then whether you approve of me or not, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's okay. So that's wisdom that comes from heaven. And finally, sincere. Sincere is about being really authentic with how we speak to people in the sense that um, we say to people what we want people to say to us and that I give advice that I would want people to give to me or to my children. If I ever make a decision that if my kids made it, I would be mad at them, that's not a good decision, right? That's not, I'm not being sincere with my judgment of myself and, and the people around me. So wisdom that comes from heaven is sincere. What I think is fascinating about James's definition of wisdom here is we often think of wisdom in terms of making good decisions so I can have sort of the best possible life, right? I pray for wisdom when I have a tough decision to make because I don't know what's gonna be best for my family. Should I take this job or take that job or should I move here or move there? What's gonna be best for me and my family? James's definition of wisdom has zero to do with what's best for you and everything to do about what's best for the people around you. Did you notice that? That, that purity, that, that sincerity, impartiality, those are not about what's best for you. Those are about what's best for the people around you. So James says, wisdom that comes from heaven is about how you can encourage, build up, love the people around you. And that's revealed in the, in the words that we say. So I hope um, you have had your toes stepped on as much as I have. Like this is a, this is a difficult thing to, to make progress in, partly because we don't want to admit sometimes that we use our words in ways that are hurtful. Um, if you if you're really serious about discovering that, maybe you ask somebody who lives in your house today, have I said anything in the last week or two weeks or month that, that was unkind or hurtful to you? Anybody wanna take that chance? Roll the dice on that one? It would, help, it would help you immensely if you can have that kind of open conversation because sometimes we have these blind spots and we don't, we don't recognize what we're saying, what we're doing. So if somebody that we're close to can say, you know, actually... My sister said this to me one time. Um, she said, whenever um, somebody disagrees with you, your response kind of makes it seem like you think they're an idiot. 
I was like, oh, man, shoot. That's true. And so I just, I just had to start paying so much more attention to how I responded to people because that wasn't, I don't think that was my intent, but Jesus would say, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So there was some kind of insecurity in me that was reflecting out on others and my sister had the courage to call me out and it was, it was helpful for me. So maybe you ask people, like, am I saying words that, that are hurtful or offensive or unkind? Can you help me out with that? And, and we'll be kind in our responses, right? Because I think as we, as we grow in this, we think about um, our church family and what God is doing in us and through us, how God wants to use this church family to lift up our community, right? So what if we were a family where everyone was using their words to build up, not tear down? Man, that just makes us so strong and healthy to then do the same for our community. What's not gonna work is if we use words to hurt people within our own family, then try to go out of here and tell people that we wanna lift them up. What are they gonna see? A pumpkin on an apple tree. They're gonna go, that doesn't make any sense. You guys don't even do this for each other. Why would I think you're gonna do it for me? Right? So here's the question that we're asking. Does my faith make a real difference in my life? And does that show up in the way that I speak to people? The words that I say? The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's a challenge for us, but we're gonna tackle it together, right? There's a lot of grace here. There's a lot of encouragement to move forward. And we're being patient with each other. And we're gonna ask for God's help. Would you stand? <clears throat> Let's ask for God's help with this. Not just, a, so, not just for me, not just so I can get better at this, some spiritual practice. This is so I will have healthy relationships and I will be more effective in the work that God wants to do through me, right? God wants to do something through you. And if we can't get a hold of our tongues, he doesn't have a lot to work with. So this is for the people around us as well. Let's, let's bring this prayer to the Father. God, thank you for this challenge today. It's difficult, but God, we, we all know from personal experience how important this is. And so my prayer is, God, that you would, you would use this challenge in our lives to help us shift our words so that we are building people up and not tearing down. And may we see the fruit of that in our church family and may that overflow into the community around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for being here. A couple things I wanna mention before you take off. There are devotional guides, the printed copies in the back that starts tomorrow morning.